Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hey there, welcome to the podcast. Coming up, Skinner's owner Al Thompson on the forks not renewing his lease. Terry Shaw at Manitoba Trucking on what we do around the perimeter to prevent deadly crashes. And Melanie Carter at CAA Manitoba on winter vacations. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. Just got an email from uh, Danny Duggan, Hotshot Danny Duggan at the CWE, and apparently Vampiro is running late. So we, we'll get him on. When he gets here, we'll get Vampiro on the show. Uh, let me play for you a whole interview now. You've heard bits and pieces as we've gone along here today on the start and on Courier Show and in the news. The interview that I, I did this morning, and I've been talking to, uh, well, let me tell you the whole story. Ken. Uh, up at uh, Winnipeg Oil Country on Dufferin, was telling me that Skinner's, the lease at Skinner for Skinner's at uh, the Forks was not being renewed. So I called up Al Thompson, the owner of Skinner's, and we've been chatting back and forth, and he agreed to come on today. So I sat down, I, I chatted with him by phone, and it's true. They've been there since the beginning, over 30 years. They wanted to renew their lease. They were even prepared for a rent increase, but they're one of the busiest food vendors at the Forks. But the Forks, uh, and they actually made, you'll hear this, they actually made them apply, which was new this year. And uh, in the end, they were told thanks, but no thanks. And the Forks isn't going into a whole lot of details about this, just confirming that, in fact, yes, uh, the lease will end on Sunday. So you've got this weekend to get over there and get a Skinner's hot dog. Here's what I'd like to see, because I think this is iconic Manitoba food. And uh, whatever happened to loyalty, I understand in business, you don't have to offer a renewal. But come on, they were there when nobody else wanted to be there. They do a good business. I think they do good business, and it helps both the Forks and obviously Skinner's. But they're not going to be there any longer. So I would love to see Winnipeggers and Manitobans go to the Forks this weekend, starting right now. Go and have a hot dog. Let's make a nice, big, long line so that maybe the people at the Forks that have made this decision go, hmm, wonder if we should have done that. Here is the owner of Skinner's, Al Thompson, explaining more. It's baffling to us. We've been there 30 years, as I mentioned. Uh, We've paid a good lease over the 30 years. We have never been late with a payment or missed a payment, and we've given the Forks very good money. We're a good fit for the Forks because all the kids come to us when the uh, groups come, the school groups, uh, any other groups that come to visit the museum or whatever, they come to Skinner's for their food. Well, that's what I'm hearing from parents. Parents that are hearing about this are saying, what are my kids going to eat now when I go to the Forks? And the Forks has changed things there. It's been a, a home run by most accounts. They've changed things up, and apparently that's what they're telling you uh, is the reason for not bringing you back to the Forks. Change is coming. Well, yes, and I, I, I agree with change if it's required. But if, you, if, if it's not required, why would you change it? Like, we have a 90-year name recognition in Winnipeg area, a 30-year name recognition at the Forks. 
we're the oldest hot dog venue in Canada, you know, and like I said, the chairman of the board, Rick Bell, in a letter to me last week, he stated our business practice and long-term relationship with the Forks has been exemplary. So it's a baffling situation for us to know, you know, what did we do wrong, that we have lost our lease. And you were ready to pay more rent. You expected a rent increase, right? That is correct. That's kind of a normal practice. Usually yeah. we just, it's an automatic. We just kind of renew our lease and, yeah, and we, you know, whatever has to be changed, changed, and we carry on. And that's been going on over 30 years. And all of a sudden this year, they decided that we had to apply for our place, which is kind of unusual. Uh, and and present a business plan, the whole thing, when they've seen us for 30 years. I don't know why they needed that, but we did, and uh, apparently someone beat us out. So it was almost like a, an application process, and somebody, I guess, had a better application. I guess so. I guess so. That's really surprising to me. You know, and we're the oldest hot dog venue in Canada, and, yeah. and I, th- I don't know if... There's many more that know how to do hot dogs better than we do. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you a question, Al. So obviously the forks with the food of late has gone a little more upscale, and people seem to like that. Did they ever say to you, hey, uh, keep the typical beloved Skinner's hot dog, but let's do an upscale hot dog menu? Did they ever say anything like that to you? Because that sort of makes sense to me. You work with somebody who's been there for over 30 years. Uh, no, they never did. And as a matter of fact, the CEO, Paul Jordan, has never spoken to us since he was uh, appointed the CEO. Hmm. Now, it seems strange to me that uh, someone, you know, in, in, in a place for 30 years wouldn't have, you know, some int- that they wouldn't have some interest in talking to us about how we could change whatever they want changed. Yeah. But, you know, when you're doing very well, we're probably the, you know, the busiest uh, food vendor in in the Forks. You know, why would you expect us to change? Uh, I don't understand that. Al, you mentioned uh, the iconic status of the Skinner's hot dog. When my mom yeah. came to Winnipeg, my mom yeah. Ada from Alberta came to Winnipeg for the first time. One of the first things I did was get her a Skinner's hot dog, and she loved it. She loved the snap of the skin, right? And, uh, I mean, that if you were just another burger hot dog place, nobody would be upset about this. I wouldn't be talking to the owner Mm -hmm. on the radio, but I'm talking to you because the Skinner's hot dog is beloved and it's uh, iconic. Well, that is true. Like, we've been around 90 years. How many businesses have been around 90 years? And and being the oldest hot dog venue in Canada, Mm. it it would seem to me that the Forks would want us there. you know, and uh, we we would be honored to be there, but uh, I, I guess they don't want us anymore. So Thursday is your last day. No, Sunday is our last day. This, this Sunday is your last this day. Sunday, yeah. We're wow. Closing Sunday, yeah. So that's the way it's going to go. So people better get out there and get their Skinner's hot dogs. Well, you know what? We still have two uh, outlets in Lockport, yep. so they can take the twenty-minute drive north and come to Lockport and. We got two outlets there that would be only too willing to to serve them, and we have uh, we have a park there. We have great fishing. We have uh, hockey pictures in uh, Skinner's on River Road. Yeah, 
So there's lots to do out in Lockport. Yeah, I was going to ask you, obviously you do have the two locations in Lockport, but what yeah. now? Will there be a Winnipeg Skinners at some point somewhere? Well, there could be. We're not ruling it out for sure. We, we're going to look at that, and uh, the chances are good we might do that. Well, Al, best of luck. Listen, um, it doesn't seem like we like change. I don't mind change, but I don't like this change, I'll tell you that. Well, I have no problem with change, but, uh, you know, like, you you change things that aren't working and, and you stay with things that are working. So yep. that, that's the baffling part, you know, that I don't understand. Al, appreciate your time. Appreciate you uh, calling. Thank you very much. Al Thompson, uh, the owner of Skinner's. It looks like a really serious incident at this point. They've put up some tarps. They've uh, There's stars ambulance actually we're seeing in the sky right now um if you can hear this right now that's that stars ambulance landing right on the eastbound side of the perimeter road that was global news reporter malika kareem this morning before we knew that one person had been killed in that crash brady road and the perimeter multi-vehicle crash you've been hearing the details as we've been going along here. And the first thing I thought when I heard about this uh, potentially at that time fatal crash and then it later became a fatal crash, one person killed, I thought we've got to do something about these intersections on the perimeter. And somebody who I believe agrees with me is Terry Shaw, the executive director of the Manitoba Trucking Association. Terry, come on in here. Good afternoon. Hi, Hal. Uh, obviously uh, tragic. Um, what is the answer here? And it's not just this intersection, although that would probably be one of the busier ones with the Brady landfill there. What is the answer around the perimeter, Terry, do you think? Yeah, um, the answer that the province is taking steps, the answer is to rework it, right? Like the perimeter highway has always supposed to, in theory, been uh, a freeway where you bypass uh, that inner city traffic. It's more efficient. It's more safe. Uh, unfortunately, the, the execution of the perimeter is such that there is a whole host of at-grade crossings, controlled or otherwise, uh, which are the reasons uh, for these safety concerns. And we've talked about expensive solutions uh, that would keep the perimeter, as you said, almost like a highway. But at this point, uh, have we reached the point where we have to find more inexpensive ways to deal with these fatal, serious collisions? Or does that impact an industry like yours too much? You tell me. I don't know. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, the impact of an incident like this is how do you even put? Uh, well, yeah, uh, yeah. How do you determine the impact? Right. So you know, our condolences and our thoughts with all those who are touched by this incident. But yes. Beyond that, um, efficiency is a, a concern for our industry, as it is all Manitobans. But the flip side of that coin is efficiency and safety uh, very often go hand in hand. You know, when we don't have traffic. Uh, interacting with each other, um, you know, uh, at grade crossings. If I don't have to stop or start uh, dramatically to get onto or off of the perimeter, that, you know, by definition, certainly in lay terms, is what a freeway is. So uh, the province has uh, taken some short-term steps. They have closed some of the medians in the area. Um, uh, I believe they are as part of their short-term safety plan actually looking at redesigning 
the Brady intersection to put in a signalized intersection. And I think, uh, and I apologize, it's just, it's, you know, we're, we're trying to uh, dig up this information. Yeah, as, as sure. We, you know, as the situation unfolds. No, I appreciate I believe, that. I believe part of the province's short-term plan is this intersection, and they're looking at putting in a signalized intersection uh, in and around the Waverly area. Uh, so to their credit, the province has uh, recognized when they were uh, originally uh, elected 2016 that this is a problematic area. They have been studying it. Um, I'm not an engineer. I don't know how long these studies should take, but this is a problem that's been decades and decades in the making. So I would suggest uh, long-term solutions uh, will not come uh, really quickly. Interim solutions have been taken, but clearly uh, something needs to change sooner than later. So we absolutely do agree on that. Um, So we're in contact with the province. Uh, we have been in contact with the group uh, engaged in uh, the, the the long-term study um, that is getting uh, finished up end of this year, early next year. Um, and basically what that is is here are your options for redesigning this section of the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Here's our estimated cost. Then it goes to government, and then they got to get started. And, and, you know, how do we fund this? How long does it take? Yeah. Um, how long do we take with it? Um, it could be done in, one would suspect, maybe five or six years if they really went hard at it and found the money and the political will to do it. If not, it could probably quite literally take decades um, to find solutions in this area. So um, the work has been done, um, but it's it's still a problematic area. And so short-term solutions need to continue to be executed uh, while we make those long-term uh, decisions and, and, and create that long-term understanding around just what is needed in this area. I'm on that south perimeter every day, twice a day, coming in and going home between Keniston and St. Mary's. Yep. And just myself, I notice that traffic on that stretch of south perimeter, not far from where this fatality happened today, mm-hmm. traffic is getting more and more and more all the time. That's that's the case, isn't it? Absolutely. Again, Winnipeg and the Winnipeg metro region is a growing area. Um, the congestion in Winnipeg is driving people outside of Winnipeg. There's housing developments going up and along there. Um, you know, the transportation is always busy and always expanding to meet the needs of Manitoba's economy and just Manitobans in general, right? And, and so how we do it is through this critical pipeline, this, this pathway where trucks and Manitobans uh, drive to, you know, their family gatherings, drive to their place of employment and or move product from A to B. Um, So congestion is certainly an issue that will have to be factored into the long-term plan. But again, until we get to that long-term plan, short-term solutions are absolutely needed. Redesigning that area, creating uh, other avenues so that we don't bottleneck in this area and we have alternatives to everybody just, you know, piling onto the perimeter and, and seeing the congestion and the concerns that come with it there, you know. So there's a wide range of options. I don't claim to, to be expert in them, but uh, we certainly have been heavily involved in not only promoting change, um, but being the voice of our industry in terms of what that change should look like and, and you know, when we need that change, which is certainly sooner than later. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, you mentioned, you know, we could see this take place over the next decade, it's interesting, Richard Cloutier requested and just forward on, forwarded on to me numbers from the past decade at that intersection. Before I hang up and say goodbye here, Terry, I'll just share them with you. Sure. In 2009, five collisions, no fatalities. 2010, five collisions, no fatalities. 
2011, eight collisions, no fatalities. That's at that Brady Road intersection on the perimeter, south perimeter. In 2012, nine collisions, no fatalities. 17 in 2013, big bump there, no fatalities. 2014, there were 10 with no fatalities. In 2015, there were eight, no fatalities. 2016, five with no fatalities. 2017, 10 with no fatalities. 2018, last year, eight collisions, one fatality, and then now we've got one fatality uh, fatality this year. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I mean, so every year, not only is it increasing, but if you look cumulatively over the last decade, simply because there's no fatalities, it doesn't mean that there are not lives impacted right. Right? in a whole host of ways. And so clearly an area that needs um, attention as soon as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, over the 10 years, uh, 85 crashes at that one intersection uh, up to last year, not including this one and one fatality, not including the fatality today. Yeah, I agree, Terry. Something's got to give here. Thanks a lot for your time. Thanks, Hal. Appreciate it. Terry Shaw is the executive director of the Manitoba Trucking Association. Another deadly crash on the south perimeter at Brady Road. Are you dreaming of getting away somewhere warm already? Ten tomorrow and then one with maybe a flurry or two on Sunday. And then, of course, we had that Colorado low dump all that snow and winter on us. Our Winnipeggers, our Manitobans starting to book getaways for this winter to somewhere hot. Well, we're going to find out right now. We've got us on the phone uh, Melanie Carter, she's the Director of Travel Products at CAA Manitoba. Melanie, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. Thank you very much for doing this. I thought of uh, giving you a call today because I saw this story. Uh, the average person spends 24 days a year dreaming about a vacation. That's 24 working days. And uh, 82, that's average. 82% of us, though, daydream about a vacation. Are Winnipeggers and Manitobans booking them yet? They are, Hal. They are. We've been quite busy uh, for a couple of months, actually. But it's been it's been about as busy as it is every time around, uh, every year around this time in November and October. If people are booking their vacation. You know, we only have so many direct flights out of Winnipeg and so many destinations we can fly direct to and have a nice, easy, you know, one or two week vacation. So. They are um, they are booking definitely. So, despite that Colorado low and the early blast of winter, not any more people booking holidays yet, eh? No, we didn't. We're not seeing more. We're seeing about the same number of people booking to the south right now. Yes, and we typically are kind of a last minute town, a last minute province, aren't we? Like we wait until it's real bad and then we start <laughs> calling you up, right? Definitely, and then hope to get some seats somewhere still available to go um, at a good price, right? But uh, there are always going to be uh, the last-minute people that call last minute, but, uh, you know, with limited planes out of here, uh, you may not get the days or the resort that you want. Yeah, and you mentioned mentioned that we're losing a lot of those direct flights, right? And so where are some of the hot spots now? Where can you hop on a plane and get off that same plane and be there? Well, um, the most flights generally are to Mexico. So Cancun has a ton of flights um, going there on Tuesdays, Fridays, Saturdays, Sunday, Wednesdays as well. Um, we've got a lot of flights to Puerto Vallarta as well. 
So those two are probably probably have the most direct flights. Um, we've got flights though to the Dominican Republic, uh, to Otoko, Cihuatneo, Cuba. Cuba always remains po- uh, popular as well for a less expensive vacation. Yeah, Jamaica is that a direct flight yeah. for us still? It is still, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Going out to Jamaica as well. Yeah, that's a nice one. I've been to Jamaica. What about Mexico? Because in the past, we've heard uh, uh, violence concerns, and there were some people saying, oh, you know, but people are still going to Mexico. Absolutely. Yeah, still a very popular place to go. Yeah. And then when it comes to the dollar, are they all kind of the same, getting bang for buck? They're all, all sort of similar now, or what? Uh, Mexico is is similar for what it's been. Um, Cuba is, again, one of the less expensive places to go to if you're really watching your dollars. And Dominican Republic actually this year has a little bit lower pricing as well. And what's the better approach? I had you on today to find out if people are already booking the flights, are more booking their flights because of the winter we've already had or the winter weather that we've already had. Does it make more sense to book early or to wait till the last minute? Because I hear there aren't those great specials at the last minute like there used to be. Well, if you have flexibility in the last minute and, and can change your vacation around easily and, and things, you can maybe try to wait, uh, but then you're not guaranteed that you're going to be away for a winter vacation. It's nice to get your booking done early, and then you have something to look forward to. Hey, thanks a lot for this. I really appreciate it, Melanie. Thank you. You're welcome, Al. Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.